What were Jesus's last words? Go out into the whole world and make disciples. This Catholic podcast is all about helping you say yes to the final and greatest invitation of Jesus, the adventure you were made for. Together, let's explore what business, education, organizational leadership, popes, saints, and scriptures say about fulfilling the Great Commission. Welcome back to part two of our interview with Deacon Keith Strom from M3 Ministries and the Archdiocese of Chicago. We left off talking about the importance that adults play or parents play in the role of handing on the faith to the children and how they are really the prime players. So where we are moving right now is the individual responsibility of each person within the church to take up the call to evangelize and to spread the gospel. Again, this was the last thing that Jesus said to us. So we want to know how can we begin doing this? Now, one of the things that Deacon Keith says here is that uh, we are not necessarily saying that we just want people to be Catholic. And what he means by that, he and I talked about this afterwards, was that uh, the first thing we want people to do is fall in love with Jesus. And in doing that, then they enter into his church and they come to know the fullness of the faith in the Catholic church. And uh, the, the big thing here is that we don't want people to just focus on external outward expressions, but we really want there to be an internal disposition and change. And so, you know, we understand that the sacraments only take effect to the degree that we are open to the grace of God. And if we just go without the right disposition, without the desire to draw closer to God and to experience him, uh, they're not just magic necessarily, and they don't act uh, on us unless we are open and disposed to receive that grace. And so the goal, is, of course, is to encourage people to give their whole heart to God. He also talks about some of the, the people that he evangelizes with, and there you would, I would say, the people on the margins. And he's not afraid to enter into dialogue and into friendship with people who live very differently than he does as a Catholic. And uh, one of the things that we, we really want to emphasize here is that um, when we when we evangelize anybody, we can do so without immediately correcting them and jumping in and condemning everything in their life. Just like we don't enter into a relationship with someone and, and condemn everything they're doing, um, but we can coexist as friends. And it, it's not a uh, an affirmation of everything they're doing, but we're just saying we, we fight for, we love, and we approve this person, even if we don't approve everything they're doing. So we hope that you enjoy the rest of this interview. So thinking of... Kind of this, this individual level. And so parents are one of the most important ones or the most important ones. Yeah. Um, and there's probably some people who are going to be listening right now and they, they're going to say like, okay, I get it. I'm on board and I want to embrace evangelization because that's what the church is asking me to do. Where can they start? Mm. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I think it's really reflecting on what their relationship with Jesus is. And, and his church, obviously, right? Discipleship is not an, a solitary endeavor, right? It's it's surrendering to Jesus Christ and choosing to follow him in the midst of his church. Mm-hmm. But but beginning to reflect, who is Jesus for me? Have I have I really given my life? Is Jesus the Lord of my life, right? Uh, or is he is he or is he distant in some way? Is he a subject that we study, right? Or is he a person whom I worship? Um, and and then I would try to really um, find ways to. Uh, to to encounter the gospel message, right? I I did um uh, I have an, a, a group that I'm working with, and I did a, a like a little mini webinar, and the title of the webinar was the mysterious disappearance of the kerygma from the Catholic Church, right? That was my title. The kerygma is just the basic gospel message, right? And obviously, the the basic gospel message hasn't disappeared from the church, right? But 
on a practical level, on a lived level, it seems to have, because so few Catholics have heard the gospel message in a way that they've been able to wrestle with. And so few Catholics have been invited to surrender to the Lord, right? Uh, to, to the one who is the ground of that message. Uh, and so, and so we need to, we need to find ways to help people encounter the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's in the liturgy and it's in our art and architecture. And, and, but we have, we have now generations of people who cannot decode those things and hear them. And so that, and that's why John Paul II said, you know, this new evangelization is, is, is about, it's about new methods, right? New ardor. So, um, so we have to find ways. So if someone who really wants to get into evangelization, recognize the goal of evangelization all right, I'm just going to say this, uh, and it's probably it's not nuanced, and and but but here's the heart of my argument. Right? The goal of evangelization is not to make somebody Catholic, right? The goal of evangelization is to have somebody fall in love with Jesus and choose to fully live in the midst of His church, right? right? Uh, but when we we look at evangelization as I'm going to like a proposition, like believe these things about Jesus, right? Then we're a little off track because because Paul. And the apostles didn't preach Jesus's teaching, right? They didn't say, this is what Jesus Christ said. And this yeah, is yeah. what, right? They preached the person of Jesus. That's why Paul says, I preach Christ and Christ crucified. Yeah. So, uh, and so we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're embracing the mission of the church. And the only way we can really do that is if we ourselves are disciples. And so find ways to connect to resources where you're hearing the gospel message. Um, and there are, and honestly, there are incredible ways in which that happens, right? Often, uh, you know, there are, are resources and programs like uh, Discover Christ from Christ Life. Uh, the Alpha Process is another one. Um, there are lots of these different um, uh, ways in which the gospel message is being um, proclaimed. And, and so try to find ways to encounter that message. And if you don't know what that message is, I would say go and ask a deacon, a priest, or, or, or a staff member at your parish and my hope and prayer is that they will know and understand, or at least they can connect you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with with that, so that's one of my goals for. Uh, and so, in my role in supporting parish ministries is to help everybody who who stands up and says, "Yes, I'd like to be a catechist. I'd like to to lead in ministry in some way." For them to be able to to give a, a convincing answer to the question is, "Who is Jesus, and why mm-hmm. should I follow him?" And the what you said uh, earlier about our goal, our goal is to to introduce people to the person of Jesus Christ. So they fall in love with him and commit their lives to them, to him. Um, there's the, there's a great quote from Pope Benedict, which I think is from Deus Caritas S that um, becoming Catholic is not the adherence to a set of moral principles or, or ethical teachings, uh, but it's an encounter with a person that gives to life a, an entirely new horizon or something along those that's, words. That's almost exactly what it says. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it, it, what it strikes me is, is, you know, we, um, we think, well, we want someone to do, to perform all of these functions or it, like, okay, well, have they, they gotten their sacraments, which are, those are real. There's, I mean, those, those are life-changing in a, in a, a non-trivial way. And um, we think, okay, that's the goal. But like, let's say you just met someone and they're dying and there's not going to be an opportunity to do any of that. What would you, what would you want to do? You'd want to share with them the story of Jesus and, yeah. and, and, and hope that they would ask for forgiveness and say, something like the the jesus prayer like lord jesus christ son of god have mercy on me a sinner and like if there's a miraculous uh you know, change and and they're 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 they live yeah then you baptize them and you confirm them and you and you give them first like communion um but 
all of those things, those are an expression of the relationship with the Lord. Those aren't, and they, they enrich that relationship. Um, but what they're, I mean, they're there for, like all of those things will give way in heaven to the fullness of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like the sacraments don't exist in heaven because the thing that they're pointing to or the who that they're pointing to is there already. And so I think going back to the, like how culture obscures, um, we love to perform in the church. We, we, we like, we love earning our grace. Yeah. And, um, you know, whether it's, there's all sorts of ways we do it. And it's, it's like, we, we imagine that we have this piggy bank and there's a lot of little Catholic, uh, Catholic chore. Like we have a Catholic chore chart yep. and rewards. And so we get this quantity of grace. Okay. We put that in our piggy bank yep. and we need to take, take a hammer to that piggy bank and smash it and smash and, it open. I, yeah. I love that. I, I, I talk about one of the paradigms I talk about is moving from a paradigm of institutional faith to a paradigm of intentional faith, right? And, and when you are in a paradigm of institutional faith, um, it becomes very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I would say performative, but also consumeristic, right? Yeah. So, uh, so I do this thing, so I get this thing, right? People, pr- the primary mode of relating to God is by doing institutional things, right? And not really worrying about personal disposition or interior disposition. So when you ask a Catholic, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? If they don't run screaming from you because of that question, often they will answer it by saying, well, yes, I go to mass. Yeah. Now, is receiving Jesus in the Eucharist, right? It's a, one of the deepest expressions of our relationship with him. But um, the reality is most people go to mass to fulfill an obligation. Mm-hmm. right? To, to get something done. So I go to mass and I get the thing. I'm here to get communion, even the language yeah. we use. Yeah, I want yeah. my children to get the sacraments. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes, you know, very consumeristic. And whenever you want to add anything, you know, additionally to help people encounter Jesus, like you're doing, if you're a DRE and you want to have a retreat for adults, right? As well as their children, right? What, what ends up happening is effectively to many Catholics in an institutional paradigm, you've raised the price of the sacrament, right? And, and Catholics are value shoppers, right? So we want, we want to get the sacrament for the cheapest. And so, and so, yeah, are the sacraments important? Are they essential to the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. You know, for, especially for those of us who are, who are um, uh, grafted into, right? The body of Christ in, in the deepest way, right? In the Catholic church, right? Through, baptism, confirmation, and, and Eucharist. But when I say the goal isn't to just get, make people Catholic is because we're not just talking about a sociological or, or um, simply uh, uh, an organizational identity or, or an ideological um, grouping. Like we all believe the same things. And so we want you to believe the same things. Ultimately, you've, it's about Jesus at the church is the body of Christ. And so we want people to fall in love with Jesus. Evangelization is about helping people fall in love with Jesus. Catechesis, in a sense, is helping them fall in love with his body, the church, and growing in being able to cooperate with the richness of grace that comes to us through the church, right? Right. Um, and growing in intimacy with the person that you've already fallen in love with, right, through evangelization. So, so if someone is interested in evangelization, I say, first of all, where are you in that relationship? And then I love what you said. Can you answer the question, who is Jesus for you, right? And, and, and finding a way to not only share the great story of salvation, the charisma, the gospel, but to know where does my story intersect with the great story? 
right? And being able to share that. And we call that testimony, right? Which is another word that tends to witness is a little bit more Catholic, I think, culturally for people, even though testimony is a perfectly Catholic word. Yeah. Um, and so helping people kind of get a sense of, of, of that testimony. When I do a lot of work with um, another colleague of mine, Kristen Bird, she, she's got an apostolate in Wisconsin called Burning Hearts Disciples. She sort of has developed this, this, this way of helping people kind of move and, and write down their testimony and, and organize it simply by saying, okay, I was, God did, and then I am. Oh, I like that. A right? Lot. And, and it's just a simple way of doing that. And so finding, being able to articulate that in some way, and, and I think that's the next step for people. Yeah, that, um, you know, along the same lines of, or do you have that, the, the elevator pitch ready of who Jesus is? Yeah. Do you have an elevator pitch ready of who Jesus is for you and what he has done for you? And exactly. I think it'd be, it would be, my dream is for every Catholic in our diocese where I work to have a 30 second version of that ready, a two minute version of that mm -hmm. and a 30 minute version of that. So that, you know, that like the elevator can turn into a conversation down the hallway or to the parking lot. And that can turn into a, a like a, a, you know, a coffee date to say like, Hey, let, let's talk about this more. Or let me, let me answer your questions. I love that. Yeah. When I, I do a lot of work, part of what we do at M3 Ministries is not only work with parish leadership, but we try to raise up a generation of men and women in the parish who, uh, who uh, can take on the role of missionary disciples, right? Who, and one of the things we form them in is how to have, how to share your testimony. And I, I do that. What's your 30 second one? What's your, I want you to give you a five minute one, a 15 minute one and a half hour one, like write those, write those down. So you have them. And then let's practice them. And they actually practice them. They give them to each other. Yeah. Um, as, as, because we need to be comfortable, you know, with that. Oh, yeah. and, and I think you brought up a really good piece is that it, there, there needs to be follow-up. There needs to be relationship. Catholic evangelization, which to me is authentic evangelization, um, happens in the context of relationship. So, so we have to learn how to meet people where they're at. That's the other piece to this. You have your testimony. You know who Jesus is for you. But now, how are you going to, um, how do you allow yourself to see him in other people, right? And, and meet them where they are at and, 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 and not, this is, you know, I think a lot of times Catholics, we get, we get very excited about, we want to make sure people believe the right things. And so when someone doesn't have the right theology, right, our first move is to correct them. Yeah, we right? go after them. With go, it, it, early on in a relationship. And I like to, I just say to people, think of any relationship that you've had in your life that you still have. I bet it didn't begin with you telling the other person all the things in their life they need to change before you'll find them acceptable. And so, and that's not what Jesus did either. And so we, we really have to learn to just sit with people where they're at and to be, and to be, to, to allow ourselves to see the sacredness of their story. Right. And it doesn't matter. Sometimes their story, like I, and I used to have, I used to be terrible at this. This is a skill, right? It really is. It's a heart position first and foremost, right? It's a, I, I see Jesus in you and I want, I'm, I'm in love with Jesus and therefore I am filled with love for you. And that changes how I react to you, how I interact with you. But then it's also, a, it's a bit of a skill because I used to have no poker face whatsoever. And I was one of those people that was like, this is the theology of the church. And so would someone be like, well, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual and I'm not religious and and I really, what I try to do is I try every day, I meditate and I try to align, um, you know, my chakras with the vibrational consciousness of the universe. And, and, and I used to just roll my eyes. I'd be like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> and I try not to do that now. I'm fascinated now 
uh, because I'm seeing Jesus at work even in the midst of that. And I'm friends. I'm friends with lots of people who are pagans. And I, I, I don't even simply mean the unbaptized, right? I mean like people who believe in these kind of multiple beings and, and may even worship them. And, and some of them are into the occult and some of them are Satanists. Like these are people I know. They're in my social sphere. And and I don't I don't set myself against them. Right. Right. And because Jesus doesn't, right? They're 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 human persons made in the image and likeness of God, regardless of their belief systems or 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 what the choices that they've made. Um, I'm against maybe what might be overshadowing them. I might be against the things that might be driving them, uh, but I'm not against them. And so I, I'm, I embrace that and I'll ask people questions. If I'm, I'm on planes all the time, which I love doing, and that's why I'm so sad that I haven't been able to do that a lot with the pandemic. I love being trapped, you know, 35,000 feet in the air with another person, the Holy Spirit and me, right? I mean, that's beautiful. And I've, I meet people, some of the people who like practice witchcraft or Wicca. And rather than like getting up and like pouring blessed salt and holy water on them and, the, and my seat, right? I ask them a question like, that's fascinating. Can you tell me, right? How has the practice of Wicca affected your life? Like, what about it? What has it done for you? And then we just begin to have a conversation. Yeah. So we have to kind of master that skill as well um, uh, because we don't want to, we, we, can, we can win an argument and lose a soul, so to speak. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you you have to earn the right to be heard. You do. By, by building trust. You um, do. One of the, the books that we discussed several episodes ago, Justin and I, was by Curtis Martin, which was, I think, um, like Forming Missionary Disciples or okay. something along those lines. And um, he's, he, as you said, he uh, listed authentic friendship as a precondition for discipleship and evangelization. Yeah. And I, I could imagine some people might might listen to that conversation of like asking someone who's practicing a very different religion. Oh, tell me about what this has done for you. Or, or just to like, tell me, but really what you're saying is tell me your story yeah, and, uh, and share with me who you are because that uh, one that establishes trust when we listen yeah. in a way that is telling the person, like, I'm not, I'm not getting ready to hit you with an intellectual fist. Right. But I like, I'm willing to just listen and, and hear you out or hear, you know, whatever you have to say. Um, mm-hmm they're going to be willing, they're going to be curious about us. They're going to want to know. And you've, you've earned the right to give an answer when they ask you a question. I think, yeah, that's really, uh, that's absolutely true. I, I did a lot of work um, for about 12 years. I was sort of a key collaborator with Sherry Waddell, who co-founded the Catherine of Siena Institute. Yeah, yeah. And she really pointed out something that is so profound. Uh, she said that, you know, in many ways, like I, like my ministry as a deacon is pretty prescribed, right? I mean, I have a, I have a, 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 you know, ritual book, rites book, priests have, you know, the, the, the Roman Missal. So I know if I'm going to baptize someone, I'm not going to baptize using milk or soda or orange juice. I'm going to baptize with water. And the church has been around for so long. The question's been asked, like, I don't think I can use saliva and I can't use stagnant water, but I can use, you know, rainwater, right? Whatever that might, I know I'm going to use water. I know I'm going to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, not in the name of the Creator, Redeemer, Sanctifier, or anything kind of crazy like that. I know that, right? It's prescribed. I have my ministries kind of set out, but for, especially for laymen and women, right? Whose primary role is the transformation of the world, right? The, like my primary role as a cleric is, is to obedience, you know? And, and I think the primary role for, for lay, the lay faithful is to faithfulness, faithfulness to Christ as he reveals himself in his church. This is kind of what Sherry says. And faithfulness to Christ as he reveals himself to the 
in the person in front of me. And that required, that's going to bring about a kind of apostolic tension because, you know, when you encounter a drug addict on the street or, uh, or someone who practices Wicca or a homeless person, there's no Roman missile, right? When you meet the person, you can't just say, hold on one second. I got to turn to, you know, page 73 and I got to, we're in this liturgical season. So let me flip this page. Here's my response. Yeah. Red ribbon, red, red, red ribbon, purple ribbon. I've got it. No, what has to happen is, is, is a response that honors Christ as he reveals himself in the teaching of the church and, 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 and the moral life proposed by the church. And as he's revealing himself in the person in front of you. And so you should feel if you're doing this well, if you're open to, to the realities that we've just talked about, you should feel a kind of tension. And that's a good tension to feel, right? You're never going to get it perfect, but you, you have to live in that tension. And I think that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful place to be. Should somebody worship Satan? No, clearly not, right? But if I want to have any hope of being able to speak life and goodness and mercy into their life, right? I've got to really encounter them where they're at. And I have to be their friend regardless of the outcome, right? It's not a friendship that I have just so I can help convert them. Although we don't convert anybody, but you know, that so that they can experience conversion um, uh, through the whole, the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I, I'm not there. I'm, I'm kind of their friend because they're made in the image and likeness of God. And, and I'm called to love. So I, I need to be in a real relationship. So if they never become Christian, okay, I got to love them anyway. I got to be in relation. I can't just say, oh, you didn't make the right choice. I'm out. And so that's the other piece. Like this, this is really about authentic relationship. Now, uh, and, and that seems to be something that we are not good at in the context of Jesus, right? As Catholics, right? Catholics have relationships with lots of different people. But when it comes to trying that we recognize that Christ is front and center in our life, and we're now, you know, I'm, I'm friends with someone and building a relationship with someone because I see Christ in them and I want what's best for them and love seeks the good of the, of the other, right? And then I want to I speak into that place. We're, we don't seem to be very good about that um, because we kind of default to kind of theological purity yeah. or, or, or worse, liturgical purity. Yeah. And we want people to believe first yes. before they can belong, believe and behave before belonging. And, That's exactly right. Uh, we need to flip that on its head and, uh, and say like, okay, no, we're going to help you belong and let you know that you, like you belong here. This is your home. This yep. is your family. Yeah. I'm, and I'm not talking about, right. I'm, I'm not talking about admitting people to the sacraments before they've been baptized or, right. you right. know, for, you know, opening up communion to people who, you know, are not fully initiated into the, the, the church. I'm yeah. not talking about that. See, when we talk about these things and we talk about change, it freaks people out. Right. And so I, I always have to kind of preface everything I say, like the church has to radically change, but not in her teaching or the moral life mm-hmm. proposed by the church, but in the way we are living out the richness of revelation that God gave in Jesus Christ to, to the world in the church. Right. And that's the piece. So, so I'm not about to, I don't want to change the church in her teaching. I want to change the church in her living out of the faith. I, I want to, I, the ministry, if someone asked me, what do you feel called to do in M3 ministries? What do I feel like the Lord is asking me to do is to, is to remind the church of her essential dignity of who she is, of her identity as, as beloved, right. And to call the church to live that out. Yeah. Well, that's probably a good note to, to close on. Um, okay. I didn't even, I mean, we could, I'm now I'm ready to go for like the next three oh, hours. So. I, know, I know. Yeah. Um, well, if people wanted to get in touch with you, um, yes. what's the best way to do that? 
So uh, my email address, very simple, is just Keith, K-E-I-T-H, at M3, that's the letter M, the number three, catholic.com. Okay. Uh, and my website is m3catholic.com. Uh, and if you're interested in that, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those other things, but, you know, email is probably the best way to, to start it off. Um, and I would, and we have resources at m3catholic.com as well that people can, can take a look at that might be useful for the work of, of parish renewal. Awesome. And you, you mentioned a book earlier, which was a blaze. A blaze. Yes. And so we'll have, I'll, we'll post a link to uh, m3 ministry or m3catholic.com and yeah. a blaze in the show notes. And there was another book that I know you wrote. And, and when we were talking about getting familiar with the story of Jesus, yeah. I wanted to bring it up. And that book is called Jesus. Yeah, it's called Jesus, the story you thought you knew. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it really is a proclamation of the gospel, um, that written proclamation of the gospel, um, really done in about nine acts or chapters, right? Uh, kind of almost like a narrative flow. Um, and there are small group reflection questions after each movement of that proclamation so that you can gather together in a small group. People have used it during Lent and during Advent and, and just a way of being able to pray through the kerygma together. So I would I'd recommend that if you if you recognize in, in listening to this episode that you're not as familiar with that basic story of Jesus as you would like to be, I'd really encourage you to to pick up Deacon Keith's book and develop your own uh not your own kerygma because the kerygma doesn't change, but get comfortable proclaiming the kerygma in a way that's natural and authentic to you. And the same thing with your own story, develop your own story so that when someone wants to know why you've decided to give your life to Jesus, you've got a convincing answer that you can just whip out and hopefully inspire a little bit more interest in that person. Amen. Well, Love that. Well, Deacon Keith, again, thank you so much for for coming on the show. It was a, a pleasure talking with you. I could probably go for a couple more hours as well. Um, so to, to everyone who, who's listening, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. We're really grateful for you. And uh, feel free to drop us a line at beingandmakingdisciples at gmail.com to say, hey, here's something that I, I'd really like to hear about next. And, and we will be more than happy to, to answer that question for you. So God bless you all. Have a good one. And we'll see you next time. God bless.